Welcome back to the Eat Scripture Podcast with Eric and Gina Robinson, and we are doing a series on the Psalms, and we have come to Psalm 110 today, mm-hmm. and I was so excited about doing this Psalm. First yes. of all, it is like the most quoted text from the Old Testament in the New Testament, right? and so um, there's a lot in here. But it was also a little bit harder to understand than I thought it was going to be, I think. <laughs> yeah, from that original yeah. uh, writing perspective, for sure. And, and even messianically to piece it together. Yeah, yeah, just to put it all together. So, um, even though I've read it, you know, Multiple a lot times, of times, yeah. just sitting down and trying to put it all together in my head was mm-hmm. uh, bigger than I thought. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I'm excited about getting into that. Yes. We uh, would appreciate you sharing or yeah, yeah. just telling people about the podcast. Mm-hmm. And our website, eatscripture.com, tells a little bit more about our ministry. If you mm-hmm. have questions, suggestions, yep. comments, uh, you can go there and send them to us. Or send our email is on there as well. Yes. You can just shoot us an email. That's probably the quicker way to get our attention. Mm-hmm. And um, we'd be happy to talk to you. Yes, very. So I think we're going to jump on in. Uh, I just right. wanted to really quickly say I felt a little bit convicted this week that we need to say that all of what we're doing, and I think everybody knows this, mm-hmm. but it's just laying a little bit of groundwork for more study because yes. there is no way that we are plumbing the depths of any of these psalms no. in uh, 30 minutes. Not even. And so I... I'll learn something new about a psalm we've already done, and I get frustrated. I'm like, we didn't tell them that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I, I just want to say, we're still learning too. Yeah. And we're just giving kind of a quick overview and some groundwork. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping that everybody will jump in and be motivated to go study some more. Oh, yeah. So. And if you're new to Bible study, I just want to say, you know, so much of it is just sitting with God over Mm -hmm. passages that you may not understand. You probably won't understand all of the first time you read. You shouldn't really understand. And if you think you did understand all of it the first time you read it, then you're, you're probably trust, trust me. You are actually missing something. something. You, you are not being honest with yourself. Yeah. Um, God wrote, wrote his word so that there's just going to always be something to find and easy. He's got it. The depths of it, as the rabbis knew, as you know, long teachers long before the first century knew, uh, too, that there would just be constantly things that were coming out from different mm-hmm. aspects, different ways of looking at he it. He opens our um, eyes. Even today, there's a phrase about the, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how it's called, but like the 70, 70 facets of Torah, or uh, however you want to say it like that, like it's a gemstone with these 70 mm-hmm. facets that mm-hmm. have these different um, ways of looking at it, 70 interpretations, 70 facets. They talk about that because it's a, it's a saying among uh, Jewish, especially more Orthodox Jewish uh, way of looking at scripture because they just knew that God was had so many meanings and interpretations or applications or however you want to say it mm-hmm. that are in there that you can never get to the bottom of them. And right. so it's going to be this always this constant search. And, I and think, we're promoting that. Yes, very <laughs> I mean, much. Sure, yeah. And also, I mean, sometimes you're, after you've looked at, like we'll look at a psalm and then 
days, weeks later, I read something in another part of scripture mm-hmm. and it takes me right back to this. So I'm like, oh, that was what that was talking about. Mm-hmm. That's a great insight that I didn't get from just reading mm-hmm. right here. And so hopefully this is giving some groundwork for some of those connections as well. Yes. Yep. So. So this is fun and just know, yeah, it'll be a continuing walk mm-hmm. for you. And it's a beautiful keep going, walk. Keep going yeah. with God through his word. But now we'll get into Psalm 110 and we'll give you some of the insights that we've gained so far. Uh, we'll start by reading it all the way through and then we'll start at the top after that. So here we go. Psalm 110, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion, your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Mm. Not a very long psalm. No, definitely not. And yet, like you said, the one most quoted in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really gravitated toward this a lot, Just obviously, crazy. in the early yeah. church. So, yeah, um, something for us to definitely keep in mind as we read it that this was something that they would look to. Um, and and maybe it shouldn't come as too much of a surprise once we see the way Jesus is using this very first verse uh in his question, in his unanswerable question mm-hmm. to the religious leaders of his day. So if we go to places like Matthew twenty two forty four or its parallels, Mark 12, 36, Luke 20, 42, we will see that Jesus uses this line, specifically the first line, but he, you know, we have this whole first verse quoted mm-hmm. in the New Testament where it says Yahweh, y'all can see that in your Bibles. I'll say this again for people who who don't, who aren't as, you know, maybe um, proficient with the way the translation works um, as others. But when you see that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the in your Old Testaments, you're seeing the, the formal name Yahweh in Hebrew, mm-hmm. uh, the name that they got away from saying eventually they didn't want to speak it um, for fear of misspeaking disrespectful yeah and so that but that word is throughout the bible but so when you see that in your translation that's what you're seeing when you see all caps it's yahweh so here jesus is using the way that's written to to ask a question uh about him about who's coming as a messiah so when he says the lord Yahweh says to my Lord, now we see that it's only the capital L, but the rest are small. And so that's Adonai in Hebrew. And here I think it's referring to a king. Right. And I think it is for sure. 
And so the Lord says to my Lord, Yahweh says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And then Jesus points out that, well, David said that, which is what we can see in our little superscript above this line. It says the Psalm of David. Jesus says, David said that. So who could he possibly be referring to if he's calling somebody his Lord besides Yahweh? That means there's somebody in between him and Yahweh. Who in the world could possibly be between God's chosen king, a man after his own heart, and Yahweh? Who could be between them? Who, who would that possibly be? And so he throws it out there and nobody can answer his question. Right. Leaves everybody stumped. And so it's really he, a great question because I see yeah. even, it's interesting because I think some of the commentary that I read on this still made it like this is David that God yeah. is talking to. Yeah. Even though this is a Psalm of David. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. though Jesus explained it that way yes so yes much more likely even the original readers maybe even david was one of those uh who wrote it down and was asking god who he was talking about yeah. while he was writing right. it down like the new testament says mm-hmm. some of the prophets did um they could tell they were writing things that were strange sounding and they were asking mm-hmm. god what what is this about and they were told hey that that has to do with someone else right it's that's not for you right now right. um and but on an earthly level, on a, <laughs> what am I trying to say? The level where it would be, there yeah. was a Davidic king on the throne. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is. This Davidic is still king. telling us a great thing that God mm-hmm. is the real king. Mm-hmm. And whoever is on the throne is a co ruler, you know, yeah. is getting right his authority there. from God. Yep. And is higher than David. Right. Greater than David. Right. So this is. If, as we would propose, this is talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it's a beautiful picture of um, the Trinity, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And once again, Jesus is making this beautiful point that really, I mean, it's his subtle point is that you can only interpret things well through Him. Right. I mean, only only if you put Him at the center of this that can you finally arrive at some kind of reasonable interpretation uh-huh. to understand what in the world was David talking about. Well, he had to be talking about Jesus. I mean, whether he knew it or not, he's talking about Jesus. And later when Jesus comes, yes, the pieces of the puzzle finally fall into place. Oh, that's who David was referring to. Which is the point that Peter is making when he quotes this verse in Acts chapter 2, verse 34. In his very first sermon after, you know, after Jesus' ascension. Mm -hmm. uh, They've just spoken in tongues and then he's elaborating to the people what's happening he uses this verse and he used it to point straight to Jesus of course the Lord said to my Lord there it is uh, so that's who this second Adonai this Adonai is uh, this Lord so that is beautiful right there we've only gotten into the first part of this psalm but we've already had it Sets Jesus has already set the tone right. with who we're supposed to be hearing about when we're reading this psalm not him uh, not David, I mean. Um, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Wow. Okay, right. they were waiting on this. Right. In what way? Uh, God, they are waiting on God to make that messianic king uh, so superior to his enemies that they are just a footstool underneath. Right. Which is why they were disappointed when Jesus feet. Yes, wasn't exactly. a military. They're, Exactly. Leader. 
that's what they're looking for. You're so right. That's a hundred percent right. I I think too because. And no wonder they would have that picture in their head. They're going to read Psalms like this. If they had, at all were starting to see this as messianic, which we know they were, see this mm-hmm. as messianic, they're waiting for this Davidic king who's going to fulfill this, then they are truly expecting very much somebody in the line of David who, who lives like David, conquers like David. David okay. was the one who subdued enemies on every side, we're told in the Old Testament, so that Solomon could have a kingdom of peace. He never had to worry about his enemies coming in because David had so subdued them. So right. uh, so that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that one that will put you know, all their knees under feet. In this time when Jesus did arrive on the scene mm-hmm. they were living in an oppressive state mm-hmm. under Rome and very much would have they oh, were thinking this is the perfect see. time. Yes. God's yes. Messiah is going to come and mm-hmm. we're going to watch him put all of this under his feet. Yeah, that's right. And he did, but not in the way they thought it was going to happen. That is the thing right there. Yes, he actually fulfills this per- better than David ever could have mm-hmm. or would have, um, or any earthly king could. Jesus actually fulfills this in every way. He has subdued enemies. They are all under his feet. Um, the greatest enemy, the enemy, the enemy that's really standing behind all of them earthly forces that right. we see which is just people who are being manipulated and used and, um, and used against God and so to see once you but only through those eyes are you going to finally mm-hmm. finally realize oh he did fulfill this too he fulfills this too but if you want to look with human eyes it's going to leave you leave you wondering what's really going on here why why hadn't this happened mm-hmm. and then that next part the Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter rule in the midst of your enemies. Mm-hmm. Again, more of the same kind more of thing. Of the same but time. you've got but a very it strong, feels like, powerful king. Yes, uh, it feels like maybe Yahweh, the Lord here, mm-hmm. is. I mean, I even think this sounds like Jesus Himself is the mighty scepter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. He's it sending does forth like from that. Zion. Jesus is the rod or the staff. It's the same word. Scepter, rod, staff. It can all be the same way. Um, but yeah, it makes it sound like Jesus is that. He's being sent out. God is sending him out. Yeah. From Zion. Yeah. To rule. Right. And um, and what is your scepter or your staff or your rod if not an extension of your right hand? I mean, right. that's what it Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so when it says sit at my right hand up here and then it says this, and then we're going to get down to verse 5 and talk about the function mm-hmm. of the right hand here. Yes. Um, that's just following that theme mm-hmm. all the way through. Yeah. Um, your This next part, I think verse 3 is a little bit more confusing, uh, maybe because of our translations. But your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will mm-hmm. be yours. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't know, even when I read it out loud right there, by the time I get to the bottom, I'm like, what are we talking about exactly? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I, everything that I read um, really went with the thought of this is like, the people will volunteer freely for like military for service. service under, like, under King like, like for battle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so they're going to come out Yes. Dressed for that. 
Yeah, you think you think that Holy Garments is about them, not about him. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard mm-hmm. to say, right? Yeah. Um, maybe uh, maybe all of them. Right. Maybe everyone. Maybe I mean, everyone. I, but this is talking about us. Mm-hmm. That well, we from that, yeah, from the people, yeah, we're the people who offer ourselves right freely to those who serve Jesus offer themselves freely to. His I service. just love that picture because yeah. that is what we're doing. I don't yes. think we think about that we're volunteering for battle, mm-hmm. but that is mm-hmm. exactly what we're doing. Yep, and he has <coughs> he has Sorry. clothed us all in new garments, yes. in holy garments. Yes. The you know the white garments that Revelation talks about mm-hmm. so much several times. Um, we are clothed in those because of him. And so, yes, offering themselves, your people will offer themselves freely. Mm-hmm. You think of a bunch of any any human army you can find, there will be soldiers among it who don't, <laughs> who aren't there of their own right. desires. Uh, yeah. they, for whatever reason. For whatever reason they made that decision or were forced into it. Uh, there won't be, there'll be some people there, quite a few people on, on the whole who don't want to be there, didn't sign up for that. Right. Um, but in Jesus's, in the great cosmic picture of spiritual, spiritual people belonging to Jesus, all those who in are truly right. in his, under him, have done so freely, have been given the right. choice to do so freely. And know. something I read said, uh, they will appear. This is a blessing from God to the king, so mm-hmm. to Jesus. Yeah. Appearing mysteriously, like the people who are volunteering, this army will appear almost mysteriously, like the dew on the mountains mm-hmm. at daybreak. Wow. Okay. And such a gift to Jesus. Wow. Now, we could also take it that that is Jesus mm-hmm. appearing like the dew. Yeah. Right. At daybreak. So. Yeah, from the womb of the yeah. morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. Yeah. Yeah, we'll but I, do that. But I kind of, uh, real, I just kind of liked that because I think about how unlikely it is mm-hmm. that the church is even still here, mm-hmm. that we still are in this battle, mm-hmm. um, and with such a great cloud of witnesses. Yeah. Uh, as we see the evil in the world, it's just so unlikely. Yeah. And it is kind of a mysterious thing, like mm-hmm. that he does have this army of yeah. people. Yeah, very much arrayed in splendor and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that this is a real thing. And then we and just it have is to a wrap our minds around that what God it means. has given Jesus. Yes. Absolutely. Um I as I look at this, if it's him in holy garments, from the doom, from the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. If it's all him there, then it reminds me of resurrection morning. Yes, all of a sudden. very much. Um, that's, and that's and so, true. does that like play that. a part? I don't know, but when he was resurrected, of course, then he's very much in power. And he and it has was a rebirth. Uh, yes. Um, so that womb idea. Shining bright, the rebirth, yes, the womb idea. Early in the morning, dew of your youth, your body is totally restored. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's truly made like it's supposed to be made and you can go forward now. I mean, that's so I I, I don't know. I'm just saying that's well, not, it can be not out him, of the but it will also be us. 
being resurrected as yes, well. Very much, yeah, in that new state. Yeah. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's what he swears. That's yes. what he promises. Okay, so. With this king, yep. who we're saying is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the Lord is making certain in his promise. This is absolute. This mm -hmm. is what you will be. So forever he will be this. You're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so now. Now we have to figure out who Melchizedek is. Yes, now our real quandary comes because we're like, okay, what? What, we, what do I do with that? Who is this guy? And, and what Why should does I. Why matter? What, yeah, what's even being said here? Why is it an important Well, thing? number one, there's an interesting thing before we even go to Melchizedek, and mm -hmm. that is that we're talking about a king, but mm -hmm. now he's saying, the Lord uh, is saying, he's going to be a priest true. forever. There, there we so, acknowledge that. Yeah, a king that is and the priest. In the room. Which yeah. was not supposed to happen because it couldn't happen. The really. kings came from the line of Judah, Judah, and the priests came from the line of Levi. Obviously, so you can't you can't have be both. Both, yeah, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, they're both from genetically different lines. Mm -hmm. um, and even though we see occasionally some little hint mm -hmm. of that, even in mm -hmm. David, mm -hmm. uh, kind of a. It's always unusual and a little hard to understand yeah. because that's not supposed to be. That's right. How did this happen? Why is David being allowed to act priest-like mm -hmm. a couple of times? And uh, really strange. Uh, and and so we're we know that maybe there's some grace in there somewhere, but how you would the Levitical priesthood would have no idea of how to even allow right. for that. Because so they, they all they had to be descendants of Aaron. Yes, exactly. So this ironic priesthood, not not ironic, <laughs> but ironic, ironic priesthood. Um, so all the Levites came from Aaron. Mm -hmm. And yep. so when we say after the order of Melchizedek, mm -hmm. then we have to figure out who he was because he, I mean, we know from Genesis Mm -hmm. That he was not from Aaron's line. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, then we find Aaron. when we, <laughs> and then when we find out about Melchizedek, that's what we find out first, is that he is both a priest and a king. Yes. Oh, well, that helps us a little bit at least. Now, the only place we ever hear about Melchizedek, there's only one place in the entire Old Testament, and it is very short. Uh, as a matter of fact. Very strange. Yes. Very strange and short. Genesis chapter 14 uh, is the only place in the Old Testament where we're going to find out about him. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. So it's three little verses uh, in the Old Testament that we find anything out about Melchizedek at all. Whenever we're... Oh, so whenever we see this, that's our only place to turn. That's our only, we're like, okay, well, wait, what should I know about him? So and this is, um, just real quick. Mm -hmm. Abraham has gone to, well, there's been the big battle. Yes. And, um, people Abraham have been, rescued. yes. Abraham oh, is going, is life. only joining the battle to rescue Lot and his family mm -hmm. who've been taken captive in this battle. Mm -hmm. And when the battle is over and they have the people back, mm -hmm. then suddenly Abraham is out here meeting 
Yeah, this all of a sudden, kind of Melchizedek. Man, yeah, and it says uh, in Mel, let's see, in Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out the bread and wine, mm-hmm. and then it, in parentheses it mm-hmm. says he was priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, "Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, mm-hmm. possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High." who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, I'll just stop there because that's really the end of the Mm. Melchizedek stuff. Yeah, But Abram tithed to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, This Melchizedek, it, it says he's the king of Salem. And it also says he's a priest of God Most High. Yes. Um, Salem was... The precursor to Jerusalem. Yes. Which we don't know about that. Jerusalem hasn't been even brought up yet in scripture. Yeah. Right. Melchizedek. But it is Salem. Yes. Same place. Yes. Which means peace. Peace. So he's the king of peace. He's the priest of the most high. And his name means king of righteousness. That's okay. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, that's what we know about this Melchizedek. But it, it was before Aaron. Right. And we wouldn't even know how important that was, except the Hebrew writer goes on about this in Hebrews chapter mm-hmm. 7, 1 through 10. Right. Hebrews chapter 7, 1 through 10, he makes a very big deal out of how important Melchizedek is. And he quotes Psalm 110 several times in Hebrews. And so this is an important psalm for him. But when he goes back there and he analyzes though just those three verses that you just read for us, he gets out of that, like you're saying, the translation of the name, the understanding of his title, King of Salem, that that actually means King of Peace. He gets out of it this idea of no genealogical record. We don't right. know where. We don't know where he came where from. Where he came we don't from. Know who we don't, he is. Yeah. Since he, if you were an Aaronic priest, you had a genealogical record proving you were a priest. Yes, you had to. Yes. But here we have a guy in scripture who's a priest who can't prove his priesthood, and yet Abraham's giving a tithe to him and yes. he's blessing Abraham. And so and and so that's huge. And the writer says, Look, priest of God most high, king of righteousness, king of peace. He is Abraham is giving him tithe, and naturally you're giving tithe to the one who you believe, you know, who's God's person uh, that he's put yes. there for you to give tithe to. Abraham is giving him tithe. The Hebrew writer says that's like the Levitical priesthood giving him tithe inside Abraham. Right. They're still in Abraham's loins. So they're still, so they're basically giving him tithe too, is what the Hebrew writer says. And then he says, and Abraham is blessed by Melchizedek. And we know that the superior has to bless the inferior. And so here's Melchizedek blessing Abraham. Um, so, so what he's what the Hebrew writer is saying is that this priesthood supersedes the Aaronic yes. priesthood. Yes. And it is above even that. Yes. And Jesus is a priest king like Melchizedek was priest king, who's higher than Abraham, greater than Abraham, greater than any forefather we have, and has a life that goes on and on and on, kind of like just like it sounds like Melchizedek. We, we don't have any where he came from or hear about a birth record or a death record. It's Jesus only does that for real. Melchizedek may not have done that for real. We don't even know. Some people think Melchizedek was a Christophany, a Christ appearance before Jesus came. Down. Well, when you read the Hebrews, um, uh, read Hebrews, you would. Uh, 
exactly yeah uh, say this was a a picture of Jesus at the very at the least, very he's least. a strong type super strong type for what Jesus is so which is the point he's being made there so he's saying that Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek yes which is over the Levitical the Levitical greater and over yeah so we could go on all day about Melchizedek we'll have to move along but uh, this is where this right here is partly where we get a lot of our um, understanding oh this is Uh, yeah very much so this is a lot of our picture comes from it has to come from either Psalm 110 or Genesis 14 right one of those those together and then read Hebrews yep and then read Hebrews 7 1 through 10 you'll get you'll get the picture you might be a little surprised if you don't know any of this that suddenly the Hebrew writer is bringing up Melchizedek Mm -hmm. what's the big deal this guy's Mm -hmm. barely mentioned yeah, exactly. But he's making a big deal out of yes, it. Yes, but it's a big deal too. And he's interpreting every word of that text. So um, let's go to verse 5. Yeah, then, Because uh, we don't have much time left right. at all here. But the Lord's at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of wrath. Uh, again, just a reference to how this strong, he's going to be a very strong messianic king. We're not getting a picture of the suffering servant here. Right. This isn't Isaiah 53. This is... Psalm 110, which is different. Coming to, yeah, the function of the right hand here is to take out the enemies. Yep, yep. Uh, He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. Oh, I mean, this is a scene we don't think of much when we think of Jesus. There is referring Um, to Gentiles. mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Filling them with corpses, he will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. Wow. I mean, he's a strong, 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 and judgment's in his hand. He can do all that he needs to do to make sure that God's people are well established. Put down all enemies. He will drink from the brook by the way, therefore he will lift up his head. Um, Which is a strange thing to say at the end. We're like, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. Um, Well, I actually... saying this. You may want to say something. Nope. I want you to tell us what you found. Just was having a hard time understanding that, and then read something that talked about this maybe being a reference to the uh, stream of Gihon, mm-hmm. and that they kings would do a ritual drinking there mm-hmm. uh, as a picture of getting their strength, I believe. Yep, the strength, um, the, the resources. Uh, their kingly resources that they would need, the divine resources they would need to to accomplish their goals as king. I think right. is, is basically the idea behind right. it. Right. So maybe a picture of mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that Jesus is doing that, and then after that, I said to you that that is an interesting connection in my head with the streams of living water. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Jesus saying He is the water. what He has for us is yes. dreams, and we can drink. So that we will have the divine resources yes, for the task to that he gives us. Our goals, that's right. yeah. And uh, and then it says, therefore he will lift up his head. And mm-hmm. I think that's interesting too. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's gotten the resources from God. Yes. And the strength to do this. And now he's lifting up his head to go forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as the king. I can't help but wonder if that first he there is, uh, could also be, it could be God. Um, therefore, yeah. God will lift up his yeah, head. that's true. Um, and that's possible. And it could also be him lifting up his head. But either way, it's going right. to be in God's power. We right. know that. And so that's that's what's going to happen. We have a lot of reference in the Bible to him being, 
God being the lifter of our heads. Yes, exactly. Uh, we do. So mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, but what you're saying is really good. And I, that, that may even, you, you might be asking if you're listening to us, okay, what kind of references, where does that come from? That ritual come from? Mm-hmm. Well, it might, it's, it's possible that it comes from, uh, in second Samuel chapter five, verse eight, where Jesus is first taking Jerusalem over for his people um, when it was still Salem under the Jebusites. Mm-hmm. Um, then he was taking it over for his people and he goes in through a connection with the Gihon Spring. So God allows, you know, or God makes it where, however you want to say it, sovereignly, sovereignly uh, has his hand on David as he overtakes Jerusalem. And because it was associated with the Gihon Spring, we see God's resources mm-hmm. <laughs> being applied to David's work. He refreshes he, himself. He takes he over enemies. Right. Yeah, and he refreshes them as they, and so, so the ritual may have gotten associated with the Gion spring mm-hmm. that way wasn't that they thought the spring was magical but it was right. tied to this event where god had right. shown that he wanted to be behind his it was game. a picture for them yeah. how god took care of david and led him to victory so yeah yeah uh, yeah i really really like that there's Anyway. Anyway, great stuff. Man, too much there to keep going. We could keep going and going, like you said, for hours. But um, we're going to stop there for now. Uh, and that's the end of that song. There's plenty more layers to be peeled back. Oh, my goodness. Um, we uh, we barely everybody. are touching the surface, I'm sure. Yes, no doubt. Um, but enjoy that and look into Melchizedek some more. Yeah. There's wonderful things to learn and see and um, get, get your fill on that. We are going to go to Psalm 119 next time, which is really, really long, um, and we'll barely touch on some may, basic things. It may themes. actually take us to. It'll it probably take, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're gonna it's next an time. important song. They're all important, but. But boy, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, so we look forward to talking to you soon, and we're so glad you joined us. Feel free to share the podcast episode with a friend or post it on social media, and uh, give us a review on iTunes if you get a chance, or iPod whatever that is, Apple Podcasts, whatever. (laughs) Anyway, God bless you all. Great to talk to you, and we will talk to you again in just a few days. Bye-bye.